fight and we don't have to kill everybody in the whole wide world really just needs to chill no we don't have to fuss no 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 hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of just chill with oliver george this is episode 104 and i'm delighted with the individuals that i have here in the studio today uh, they're extremely talented and one of them was a staple of my childhood. But before we get into it, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube and you would prefer an audio only version for any reason, you can get that on Spotify, Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you are listening to me on one of those platforms though, I would much prefer if you come over here to the visual side of things and hit that subscribe button while you're doing so. It really does support the channel and helps me keep growing this little entrepreneurial thing we're doing here in my basement. So I, I do appreciate anyone who's watching and tuning in. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback about the program, you can hit me up on social media or send me an email at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, I want to introduce these marvelous guests, uh, very talented musicians, singers, songwriters, and one of whom you're bound to recognize as one third of the critically acclaimed award winning musical group Sharon Lois and Bram. I can't even believe I'm here talking to you. Uh, thank you so much, Sharon and Randy Hampson, for coming here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm Sharon, and here's Randy. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who doesn't recognize you already, you guys are in town performing at the Red Bird, and that's tomorrow. You've got two shows there. Normally, I would say it's unfortunate that this episode won't be up in time to alert anyone, but both of them are sold out, so it's inconsequential. <laughs> yeah, he actually messaged us and said that we um, are the fastest selling Sell shows um, that they've had since they started doing Not surprising. There. So that, that was wonderful nice. news, though, yeah. And it's a small a small audience, which I must say is kind of a treat. Nice intimate environment. Absolutely. You see every little face and all the smiles, and somebody puts their hand up, you, you can see them and talk to them. It's lovely. That's beautiful. Uh, well, I do, before we proceed, I want to ask if you have anything else coming up in 2024 that maybe you wanted to plug or promote, anything people can expect to see, or is it kind of... Well, we have a new we have a new book that we released in the fall called Peanut Butter and Jelly, which you can find at your local children's bookstore, or you can buy it online, or at the big bookstores. Um, it's a, the third one now, right? I have that on of, here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, very exciting. We have those books because of Randy. This is this is a proud mother. <laughs> talk, we're going to get to it. My I'm Randy sections the on the back here, so <laughs> we're going to get to that. Exactly. I thought we would start off, um, sort of just going back in time and start with things chronologically because you've sure. had such a long and storied career that I must be so old. No, <laughs> well, you look fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, She's ancient. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're listening on audio, you should go look at the video now. <laughs> the, yeah, people probably will, I suppose. Uh, well, this goes all the way back to the late 70s, the formation of the group. And from what I gathered, it started with Mariposa in the schools. Well, we we were all three of us involved with Mariposa in the schools. We were doing musical workshops and concerts in schools of, sponsored by Mariposa and the Toronto Musicians Association. So we were friends and colleagues. But and actually, I'd forgotten. Of course, there was there was a larger group of people, Mariposa in the schools performers, and we were all going to make a record together. But because it was connected to an organization, Mariposa, it needed to go through a process of you know to get approvals and all that stuff. And so Bill Usher, who was the producer, said, "Well, why don't we just do a record?" And that's how the Sharon Lois and Bram record was born. It was not our intention to start a career. It was our intention mm. to do a record. And and we did, obviously, we did in 1978. And uh, ultimately, we all, the Mariposa and the schools people made the other record some considerable time later, but we participated in that as well. But it was response to the our first record, One Elephant, Deux Elephants, that really launched the career, much to our surprise. Before I ask you about that album, I was just curious, what is Mariposa? Because I looked it up and it means butterfly in Spanish, correct? It does indeed, but Mariposa was one of the very first folk music festivals in, oh. in North America. Okay. Very, very successful fest festival, and it spawned a larger organization that included um, Mariposa in the schools, which was an organization that sent performers like us into the schools on a freelance basis. You'd go in for one day and do four workshops or four little concerts in a school. And it was funded by Mariposa, the folk festival. And it was and, it wasn't just concerts, it was storytelling, it was um, dance, folk dance, all, you know, just different opportunities cultural. for cultural 
uh, exposure for schools, and it was funded. So you know, people who might not otherwise have had the opportunity to to see these have these experiences got to. Yep. And I understand, unfortunately, it ended in 2018. Yeah, but that had, it had a long life. Well, of course, yeah, that's an yeah. yes. extremely lengthy amount of time. Well, uh, let's talk about that album then, because in 1978, I, I read that you actually had to borrow a lot of money from family, up to $20,000 is what I had read. Yes, the plan was to, to raise $20,000 from family and friends to make the record and pay the lawyer. <laughs> you couldn't likely make a record for $20,000 now. But we went to our family and friends, and they gave us 500 You know, whoever we went to would give us either $500 or $1,000. So there was no Kickstarter back then or crowdfunding. Nothing like that. GoFundMe. I mean, I don't think there was. We certainly well, the didn't difference, think of it. Well, the difference between a Kickstarter and a GoFundMe or this, the I mean, these people were friends and family who just thought that they were helping to support a project that they were passionate about and they never expected to see that their money, money back. back. Okay, that was going to be my first question is if you remembered being nervous during the recording uh, since people's money was on the line. No, no, because, um, no, uh, we weren't. Maybe we were naive, but, you know, we didn't think about the payback. It turned out we made the record in like May and June, I think, of 78, came out in September, and we paid everyone back at Christmas. Wow. We had a party. We put checks in the Christmas crackers, and everybody got their money back. Oh, there you go. Much to their surprise and much to our surprise. And it was the response of the Canadian public that made that possible. And we, in terms of making the record, we were all kind of, I, I had done some recording before, but mostly we were all pretty new at it. And we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but we and we did a lot of prep, a lot of rehearsing. The re, the unique thing about that record and us, I think, is that the first thing that we ever did together was make a record. Yeah, we that's magical. We prepared the music and made a record. We didn't learn to sing together and perform together and do some shows and. We didn't do any of that. The first thing was the record. And then after the record was the performance. Hadn't you and Lois done workshops together, play parties at Mariposa Folk Festival in the children's area, stuff like that? Um, like I have memories of probably learning some play party stuff, stuff. At, Marip- at the festival. Yeah. You know, in the children's area at the festival, but mostly pretty individual stuff. Yeah, I was wondering when, when you decided to become a trio officially. And we decided when the audience kept buying the record and saying, come and perform for us. And <laughs> all of a it. sudden, all of a sudden we were a trio, much to our surprise. And it's pretty scary when you've worked on, when you've performed on your own for a long time. Um, and you know that if you, if something works or doesn't work, it's on you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there are other people involved, and if you if you screw up, then maybe it has an impact on them. Definitely. So you know, it's and the, there's also the comfort of working with other people and and having that. that yeah, collaboration support. has its pros and cons for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But so, you also <clears throat> did like you would do individual stuff, and then you and Bram would do something, and you and Lois would do something. Like you know, that album has such an array mm-hmm. of permutations. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, musical genres, too. And the thing is, we started with a fundamental um, belief that we wanted to, to to make the best record that we could possibly make, and that meant spending money, rehearsing. We felt that children, it's we're not looking for for a quickie yeah. to do it for the kids. I mean, we were making a, we were wanting to make a fine record for the family. Well, that's what I was curious about, is, is was the intention with that first record to be for kids or just for... Anyone who it wants to listen. It says on the on the cover of the first album, a children's record for the whole family. There you go. That was always the intention. We figured any good children's entertainment will speak to the family. Yeah, definitely. And that went on to sell, I believe, somewhere around a hundred thousand copies within the first year. It sold a lot. I you maybe remember. insane. Well, I was just checking some stats yeah. online, and just at the time, it was the fastest selling kids' album of all time. <laughs> yeah, it was you know the funny thing is that when you when you first make an album, you think how many should we press, and should we press five thousand or ten thousand? Oh, I don't think we can afford to press ten thousand records, so we pressed five, 
And of course, we ran out right away. So the the worst thing that can happen when you make a record is that nobody buys it. The second worst <laughs> thing is that everybody buys it and you don't have any more to sell to them. <laughs> uh, it creates even more demand, though. So once you got the oh, next yeah, batch was, ready, then they're going to fly off the shelves again. We had wonderful support, wonderful support. You know, we were... I think we created a wonderful product, but I also think we were fortunate um, in in the timing of what we did. I think we were lucky. Mm-hmm. It was a time when people could afford to take a chance on someone unknown. We were unknown for the most part. And they had the money to spend. It was probably 7 or $8 for a record in those days, wow. and they could manage that. So yeah. we, a lot of things working for us. That's so awesome. I, I mean, I remember listening to these songs as a child and and just revisiting some of this in preparation for this episode was just such a, a treat, you know? I felt like I was being transported back into my elementary school days. Well, that's a good place to be. Yeah, definitely a nice pure existence at that time. I feel I may be a little younger because I was born in 85, so I started becoming aware of the music when the reruns of The Elephant Show were probably early 90s yes, around yeah. then. That's my or, exposure. Yes, yes. And I was completely unaware of Skinnamarink TV because at that point I was in junior high and it, yeah, I would no, have been so no far way. away. From, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, right. that was I was too cool for that. Um, talking about that first album, though, I wanted to talk about Skinnamarink because it's just such a iconic song that everybody knows but i was unaware of its origins when i started looking it up that it was this extremely old song from originally 1910 was the oldest uh, version i believe on broadway some yeah. show called the echo well there the you know there is a there is a song that maybe is connected to it but the but the iteration of it is so far removed from it's been doctored and toyed with over the, the yeah, decades yeah i mean yeah. it's it's really whatever sharon lois and bram i mean lois found the song she was visiting family and her cousin she was visiting learned it family at camp. she was visiting family to get money from them for the record <laughs> in chicago so and she she learned it and she brought it back and um, at the time, they just thought it would be a nice song to have on the album. But truly, it has, if you hear it now, the only reason you know it is because Sharon Lois and Bram Definitely. introduced it, it and recorded it. Yeah. And, the, and the manner in which it exists is so far removed from maybe what its origins were. The melody is different. The lyrics are different. And the whole actions and uh, yeah. all of it, boop, boopy doo and all the stuff that we brought to it. We didn't know. I mean, we didn't know anything about 1910. We just knew that Lisa had taught Lois the song. We liked the song. We said, let's do it. We put it in the middle of a record. And then for our first concert, we said, it's such a lovely message. Let's yeah. let's sing it in the first in the first concert. And we sang it at the end of our first concert, and we never haven't sung it at the end of everything that we do. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be there. It's the, it's the given. So, and it's, I think it's a gift to everyone who sings it because it's a love song. Children sing to parents and grandparents. So filled with warmth. It's yes, yes. Nevertheless, I found it very interesting that it had such uh, long ancient roots. And and there was uh, in the 50s, I saw that kids can be heard singing it in uh, Cat on a Tin Roof, Hot Tin Roof. That There's all these times where it's come up over history, but definitely your version is the one everyone remembers. And we hear it from um, Denmark. Oh. There's a Christmas song that uses. Interesting. Uh, they may have it may have come from us. I don't know, but it's it's a skin and rink. It's it's similar. It's quite similar, and a, f- a friend of mine gave a recording of us to her Den- Danish relatives, and they said, "We know that song." And then they sent me a recording of it's the Danish Christmas version. One. That's of so it. cool. It's a Christmas one, exactly. Yeah. Well, once you guys got your stamp on it, it's yeah. Well, game over. You guys own that song now, well, as far as I'm concerned. Like to think that. <laughs> well, it's similar to uh, Fred Penner. I always thought that the Cat Came Back was originally his song, but that was sort of a similar situation where he brought it to the masses. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Um, well, I want to talk to you about uh, the Elephant Show, because as I said, I was a little bit young for this, but I do remember the reruns. And one thing I always thought that was cool about it was that the elephant didn't speak, but was brought to life with the tuba. And I was wondering whose idea that was to use the tuba to sort of demonstrate the moods and the feelings of the elephant. It's very hard to to say so-and-so had that idea. I mean, everything around the Elephant Show was a collaboration. We had writers, we had the producers, Cambium. Arnie Zapersky. Um, 
our team, all of us, we all work together. So I can't remember, but... Well, I mean, on One Elephant Deux Elephant, the tuba there was, was a four-part tuba arrangement right. to mm. that song. Exactly, which was created by my late husband. It's a brilliant musical arrangement for each elephant that enters the song there's a new tuba part oh wow so the tuba and the theme for the elephant show was one elephant went out to play so there was already that connection, connection to the instrument yeah. yeah yeah but really i mean the the elephant came to life because paula gallivan who was the dancer who embodied the character she really was, she really um brought so much playfulness and child spirit and dance and movement to the oh, character. She was, she was no one like her. And also, Elephant was gender fluid, I think you might say. I read about that on the website. I yeah. mean, that wasn't... That's it, ahead of its time. I'm, well, talk about ahead of our time. Yeah. But, she, you know, that way every child could relate to Elephant. So it, thought it was a boy or a girl or, you know, just or, it didn't matter. Everyone could never, decide what Elephant was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess similar to Pokeroo, I always wondered what he was. I don't know that they ever, or was he oh, a guy? Oh, interesting. I don't I'm not know. Sure. I don't know. I'm not sure about I'll that. I'll have to get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I also wanted to know if you guys are still in contact with Eric Nagler. We haven't heard or s heard from Eric in he was quite a at, while. He, he was at the 35th anniversary party. I think yeah, that was the last time we, we had a, a party um, in Lois's party room. Um, celebrating, celebrating 35, years. 35 years, and he was there, and he, and he there. told stories. But um, he lives somewhere in the country. I yeah. think somewhere in, in he's Northern off the grid Ontario. now. I guess yeah. okay. Well, he's been there. He's been living out sort of away yeah. for quite a long time, and and uh, so we we our paths don't cross. Well, hopefully he's doing well. He was oh, someone I, I had so. completely forgot about, and then I saw his face, and I said, I remember this guy. Oh, he was he was terrific in the Elephant Show. He, I mean, first of all, he played with us. He played on the first record, and he toured with us in the very early days. Right. And and then when we started to do Elephant Show, which was 10 years after the first record, um, he he became the special guest who was on every show. And he was, he's a, he was a bit more kooky and zany than we. And so he brought a very, a very a charming, a delightful, crazy part to the show, which was great. And did he, he then had his own spinoff show, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. Same producers, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I vaguely remember that as well as and a child. I should tell you this, which I think is a charming story. Many people came to us over the years after after we started recording saying, you know, have you ever thought of doing television? Sure, yeah, we'd love to do that. Um, okay, have you got money? No, we don't have money. Have you got money? Well, no. <laughs> but Arnie, Bruce and Arnie, Bruce Glosson and Arnie Zapersky came to us. They were both, they'd, they'd graduated from film from school. Film school and they were both uncles. That Neither one of them had kids at the time, as I recall. But they knew about our music and they knew about our success. And they said, would you like to do um, a, a, some TV? And we said, yes. And they said, okay, well, we're going to go and get the find the funding. And they did. They went to... Oh. That's initially. not exactly what happened. Uh, okay. You said, do you have money? And they said, yes. Well, I didn't remember And that. even though they didn't have money, they just were like, once they had the yes, they were going to go find the money and to they do did. it. And they did. Oh, wow. And yeah. it was... They were terrific. I mean, they initially started with... It, it was like a, a special. It was yeah. it was charming, actually. Live at Young People's Theater. It was live at Young People's Theater. Sharon Lois and Bram at Young People's Theater. And Young People's Theater is a wonderful theater in Toronto, um, a theater for children. It's been there for a long time. And what we did was each one of us was in a different room in the theater. They, ha they had face painting and all kinds of uh, delightful stuff for the kids. And then each of us was in a different room and we would sing separately with our little audience. And we'd sing things like Fish and Chips and Vinegar, but each of us just sang one of the songs. So I might do Fish and Chips and Vinegar, or maybe Lois sang um, one bottle pop or whatever. Each of us sang one of the three songs. And then after we did our three little workshops, we all got together in the theater and we put it all together. So people got to experience the making of the song and then the putting it all together. It was very cool. It was very, it was a charming show. I, I love that show. Mm -hmm. And that, and once they'd done that, they knew there was a future and they, and CBC was on board at that point and interested. And so that's how the outfit show was born. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. Wow, and we that's loved, so cool. we loved doing it. It was fun. We had fun doing it. I remember the last 
the last day of the first season when you didn't know if there was going to be a second season. Hoping to get renewed, yeah. Yeah. And and I was sitting with one of the producers at uh, down by the water in Toronto. We were sitting on a hill. And I, I thought you were going to say I, down by the bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could. And I said to him, it feels like the last day of camp, you know, when, when you're saying goodbye to all your, your new friends and, and you don't know if you're going to see them next yeah. year. And, it, you know, you have that kind of warm, nostalgic feeling. And, uh, and of course, we got to see each other over and over year after year. For a few year. more seasons, yeah. Yeah, we did five seasons. One of the things I thought was amazing about the show was that Toronto, iconic Toronto locations were characters in the show, they featured so prominently, and I've heard over the years fans who are not from Toronto making special pilgrimages. Mm. They want to go see the Flatiron Building, or they want to go to Center Island, or they want to go to Kensington Market. Yep. You know, they want to go visit the places that they were introduced to as children when they watched the Elephant Show. Well, and speaking about places in Toronto, you also have a, a children's park now named after you. How cool is that? Well, the park is not named after us. The playground is named after Oh, the named playground, after. sorry, yeah. It's the June Rollins Park, but we call it the Sharon Lois and Brand Park. <laughs> it should have been called that. <laughs> and and uh, and actually, the, the municipal rep who worked with a, a team of people to make that all happen, to make the playground, the Sharon Lois and Brown playground happen, said he was determined that there was going to be a plaque at the park that explains what, who Sharon Lois and Bram are. Because he said, I've been to so many parks that are named for someone, and I have no idea what the history That's is. That's a fair point, yeah. yeah. So it is the Sharon Lois and Brown playground, and, and they created over time a new playground that is is fantastic and then they asked us to do a music garden so we have a music garden with i think it's about six in musical instruments it's oh, it's in cool. the round and kids can play them and there's an elephant there's uh, an ele statue in there the 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 playground itself has a very fun elephant shaped climber there is um i thought the plaque was an elephant shape maybe too that it's the only one in toronto that is irregularly shaped, which is the, awesome. <laughs> the shape of the logo of Elephant Records. They specially got that one made because all of them are standardized and they're the exact same. And then there's um then there's another plaque with a picture of Sharon Lewis and Bram as well there. But they they've made the playground into like there's a guitar on one of the climbers and there's and a drum. drum. And then you go over to the music garden and Elephant is there in the music garden. Elephant from the you Elephant Show. You can take show. pictures with Elephant, and you can play xylophones and drums. And there are and all kinds of signs that say, don't climb on the elephant, and that's all they ever do. <laughs> and there's a there's a book of songs. So if you want to play Skin and Rink on the xylophone, there's, it's, it's notated it's color and colored. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. I wonder if, uh, you know, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to have you know, popular musicians saying, I, I first played music at this park and this oh, is where I started dabbling. Thought. You that's never a, know, right? You never know. Because when you're at that thought. age, yeah, that's such a, a impressionable we see, age. We see now, you know, regularly when we do a performance or we're in a public environment, people who are adults who grew up on us, people in their 30s or more. I'm, 30s, I just turned 38. Exa yeah. Exactly. Who... Come. I mean, I remember we were doing a show in Edmonton, and I said to the audience, I think I see a bunch of people who are here without children, and a whole row of adults stood up. They grew up on us. We, yeah, and, must be and therapeutic. And they were drinking wine. It was a licensed <laughs> event. So, <laughs> I, you some, know, some drunk adults yeah. shouting out skin and rink. The thing is, they they get often they get kind of weepy. Yeah, I can believe and, that. And I. With the first time I experienced that, I said, you know, it was outside of a TV station. It was 7 in the morning. We'd done an early morning show, and a woman knew we were going to be on the show, and she came to see us. And she was waiting outside for us, and she got kind of weepy when she saw us. And I said to her, don't be embarrassed. You're, you know, you're having happy childhood memories. That is a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's worth having tears over. Oh, so it's very touching that, to, to feel part of that kind of memory. We did um, a, a keynote uh, for um, Georgian uh, early learning. Early, um, Georgian College. Georgian College. It was, it actually was Georgian Bay, Simcoe County. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> but afterwards, a woman came up 
uh, to us, and she said, I was at your concerts at Mariposa Folk Festival in the summertime. We played at the Mariposa Folk Festival. And she said, do you remember the group of women standing up without any kids singing, you know, on the side? And we were like, yes, we remember. (laughs) She's like, well, that was me. (laughs) I was there with all my girlfriends. And I couldn't understand why they were crying. And I had my crying moment today. So she, yeah. So she's like, she just, it just hit Hmm. her. I love that. When I spoke with Fred Penner, he said similar things about having audiences that are now generational people bringing Absolutely. their kids or grandkids and just how powerful that can yes, be. Yes, exactly. Bramble is always the one who counts the generations. He says, we're up to five now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My mom calls them Sharon Lois and Bram graduates. Oh, wow. Right? I That's do. true, yeah. So I say that to the audience. How many Sharon Lois and Bram graduates are here? And they put their hands up. And then often when I meet them, I say, and did you call your mother? Because they often call their mothers, I just met Sharon or Bram. Yeah. That's a momentous occasion. It's very sweet. And it's I often wonder about today's generation and what kind of uh, children's entertainers they really have to choose from. I wonder if the internet kind of may have put an end to any new uh, child's entertainers of this caliber. I mean, I can only really think of like Blippy, and he I don't even think he sings. He's just an internet, you know, he's a... Great for kids and all that, but I can't think of, other than that, maybe The Wiggles is probably the most recent yeah, one. Yeah. So it's kind of sad to see that that's on the decline, and I wonder if that has to do with the internet or... Probably. It's, it's good and bad, right? So um, in some respects, there's so much to choose from. So maybe people who wouldn't otherwise have had an opportunity get it mm. under these conditions, but it's impossible to wade through all of it to figure out. And... You know, Sharon Lewis and Bram always try to provide quality entertainment for mm-hmm. children. You know, you have a lot of very generic music yeah. that um, parents put their kids in front of a, of a screen now to watch inexpensive animation. Let's not even mention Baby Shark. <laughs> the thing is that parents say, oh, but my kid loves it. Well, if you sit your kid in front of the screen and they watch it over and over and over, of course they're going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not yeah. selection. Yeah. Anyway, I, th- I think... We watched a couple of episodes of Bluey because we heard it was... Bluey? Or Bluey. Yeah. I don't know it's an know Australia Bluey. show and um, it's about a family of two little kids and it's very funny and delightful, but when they sing... They don't. They can't carry a tune. It's not musical at all. And I wondered oh. why. The, it's obviously a choice because it's high caliber production, and some people, you know, have a challenge carrying a tune. But most people. Well, you don't. You don't yeah. help those people by yeah. not yeah. carrying a tune. Yeah. And I wonder. You know, there's a there's this horrible TV commercial with a children's band. There's a drum and guitar. They're fake. They're fake playing. Yeah. And it is so ugly. I don't know that I've seen this. You <laughs> do know it. Oh, oh yeah. You, it's yeah. very prominent. It's and it, why? Like, why couldn't they show the what? kids do being good? <laughs> it's because it's now a it's now a a meme. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll see, tell you after what she's I'm talking so, about. Okay, sure. I'm so old. I don't want to promote it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I find the same. I feel like kind of old fashioned in my approach to the internet. It has its uses and all that. And of course, it's lovely that people can see all the Sharon Lois and Bram stuff on YouTube. That's nice for people who weren't alive back then. At the We're working of, on it anyway. Yeah. But uh, there's something lost, I think, in in that disconnect that a show like you guys had back then. It was just so much more uh, intimate and involved and families felt like they knew you. And now it's, just, like you said, so hard to stand out. There's so much out and there. And they did it. Families did it together. I mean, they did yeah. not. That was important to us. We didn't want to have a show, either live performance or recording or TV, where the parents run out of the room the, f- the minute it comes on. On the contrary, parents write to us all the time saying, I dropped my kid at daycare and your music continues to play in the car. Yeah. Or while you're cooking dinner or something. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, we spent time and money to make sure that the quality we created was really good. Yeah. And and happily. Great production values. During, yeah. during COVID, we did... Um, we started out doing Facebook Lives, and then we did some, you know, Zoom virtual two cons- of us. concerts. And um, when we moved to Zoom... We could see who was watching. 
And it was families. And sometimes we would get a message that, you know, one grandmother was watching in Toronto and her son and grandchild were in Australia and they were watching in Australia. And um, we had a family watching in Japan. So yeah, she COVID said I kept my kids a little bit. Oh. She said I kept my my children. It was so sweet. She was it was the Christmas show, the holiday yeah. show. She said I kept my children home from school so we could watch it together. Like oh we, yeah, because the time difference. Of the yeah. Time yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so so, cool. so yeah. lovely. Oh. Well, you're mentioning the Zoom stuff. I'll jump ahead a bit here because I saw the video talk about peace that you did with Colin Mockery and Jim Cuddy, and that was just so awesome to watch. And I'm wondering, is that largely when you started to get more involved? Because I know you were managing the farewell tour from what I read, but this is when you started saying, okay, I want to be part on the performing side now as well, that Bram's now retired. and. Well, we, you know, we had... I mean, I've my mom and I have always done stuff together, and actually, my mother and Lois used to do um, a Toronto uh, fundraising event called Riverdale Share. And one year, she For wasn't holiday. well, and she said, "Sharon, ask Grandy to do it with you." So I did it. My kids did it, and once Her kids continued to do it as serious teenagers. I was going to say your grandkids. My grandkids. Yeah. So yeah. I would yeah. I would say to Randy, "Do you think they'll want to do it with us this year?" And she, they were always keen, yeah. Ethan and Elijah. They were oh, always okay. keen. Had their names on here yeah, somewhere. <laughs> always keen to do it. So, so we started doing that together. But people Rand- had been saying to me that it was a, an obvious succession plan, mm. and Randy was involved with everything Sharon, Lois, and Bram from the time that she was what. 12, 14. I read 13. that you were a production assistant on some episodes of The Elephant Show. And yeah. she worked in the office and she answered fan mail and yeah. she constantly brought brought us song suggestions, terrific song suggestions wow. for, for the record and for the TV show. It was You've always been immersed occasionally, in it. I, yes. So um, I went, I mean, I really, uh, around the 35th anniversary um of Sharon Lewis and Bram, I helped them organize the party, and then Lois got sick shortly thereafter. Mm. So I was very involved in producing a celebration of her life, which followed. And um, really, in I, I started wanting to do a documentary film about them, and through through that and meeting their um, publisher and record label manager. Um, we started having conversations um, about how to, you know, send them out on a on a high note. Because Bram said he wanted to retire, and their 40th anniversary was approaching, and I, and I wanted it to to mean something, and for people to, you know, there was overwhelming uh, love when Lois died. It's just the outpouring was incredible, and I thought, you know what, they they need to. Just be reminded, mm. and the so the so I just started working more and more she with them. Pro- she promoted the forty the the fortieth anniversary tour. It was forty? Yeah, and then because you're started, a lawyer, if I understand correctly, I'm right? a family. So lawyer. you already had your whole day job going on. That's true. And That's... I sort of put it on pause while I went out with them, and I was you know they, they and what did Sharon and Bram say? We said, oh gosh, why didn't we do this sooner? And she. <laughs> She unburdened us in ways that we never could have imagined. The touring was fantastic. All the pl- all the arrangements, everything, and and since then, of course, her role has evolved. I mean, she runs everything. Sharon Lois and Bram Elephant Records. She looks after all of that. The reason we have books is because of Randy, because Bram and I, we're older. We don't need to take on new projects. Tell us when to turn up. Yeah, and what to do, and we're happy. I mean, Bram Bram talked about retiring, but he used to say, "I'm retiring," and now he says, "I'm retired from touring." <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's re- still he's ready to have fun with ready us to, get in the do, mix. to do fun things and to be considered and and participate. We did um, in the summertime. We did the Fan Expo in Toronto. Oh, very cool. And um, Comic Con. It was yeah. We did Comic Con in February, so my mom came and did that, and Elephant was there, and we um, had an overwhelming response to that. And we were told that the Fan Expo was a much bigger event, yeah. so we um, arranged to do the Fan Expo, which included uh, Bram and Sharon and I 
doing a little um, concert. And oh, that was amazing. We were in a room, which was a, like a children's activity area. And when we got in there, there were kids doing activities like crafts and blocks. And I said, are they going to keep doing that stuff while we're performing? And they said, yes. And we were like, well, we're not going to perform if there's other stuff going on. Except that as we were saying that, hundreds and hundreds of adults were pouring into the room in dressed up as Thor and uh, <laughs> Star Trek. And, and so we cool. had like 450, 500 people crammed into this room for this wonderful little concert. So yeah. I'm going to yeah. guess the kids stopped playing with the toys probably. There was nothing there was no else yeah. happening. Yeah. They sang and participated. It was really terrific. And there was a photographer. I have to try to find that picture I to show that. you. Yeah. That he said to us at the end when we were finished and we took a bow, he said, now turn around. And f he was on the stage behind us. And he said, turn around and face me. And he took and he asked everybody in the audience to stand up. And he took a picture of us with our backs to the audience and everybody, these hundreds of people yeah. standing behind us. It's a fabulous, yeah. fabulous picture. And then they so send me that picture, I'll throw it up in the podcast. Yes, so I'll send can it to see, you. Yeah. But um, then we went back to our booth, which had um, Sharon Lewis and Bram costumes and a step and repeat. And people waited three hours standing in line just to take a picture and say hello and say thank you. And Bram was there for most of it, but eventually I took him home and my mom said, I'll stay as long as there are people here to meet. And at one point, a big blue guy. Oh, he was blue from, from head to toe, including Avatar Ga something. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Yondu, probably. Yondu. Yeah. It was Yondu. See, I told you I was a nerd. I know nothing. <laughs> and he said, Oh my God, is that Sharon and Bram? And I said, Yes. And he said, Can I say hello to them? I said, You'll have to wait. There's a line. And I figured he was gone, you know, like he was just happening by. Anyway, like half an hour, 45 minutes later, there he is. He starts bawling his eyes out. Blue makeup running And I over. said, you're going to run, you know, calm down. You're going to ruin your makeup. But he was, he was so very emotional. emotional. It's, I think, you know, for some people, it was a safe space mm -hmm. when they had a crummy childhood. Yeah. I, we've heard that a lot. Absolutely. Uh, you know, abusive households, dysfunctional households, parents fighting, um, parents who didn't have good role models, like, like who children have, who didn't have good role models, who learned how to parent a, from Sharon Lowe's. Peaceful Graham, escape. Sort of yeah. Yeah. And even on like TikTok, we'll, we'll put up a TikTok and someone will say, why am I crying? You know, like, or I'm not crying. What's that you expression know, they use? Memory they, unlocked. I love that. Yeah. It memory just taps unlocked. into something. Something that's embedded in your yeah. core. Yeah. yeah. What a lovely thing. And the thing is, I'm, I feel like, like what we've given them is a gift because music is forever. Yeah. You don't ever have to give Timeless, it up. Timeless, for sure. It's, you know, it's in your soul and it, and it can serve you. We hear from a lot of people. It's interesting from a lot of people. Kids who say, I used to go after school, I'd go to my grandparents' house and watch or listen to Sharon Lois and Bram with my grandma. Yeah. Those memories from your youth, it's just so powerful. Absolutely. I, even when I was speaking to uh, Rick Campanelli, he was sort of in the same boat that people after school would come and watch much music and it was kind of their escape or their safe place or just a, it was a zone they could be comfortable in, you know? Yeah. So. We were in there doing an interview and he he wasn't part of it and he came into the green room and asked if he could have a picture oh, that's he so was cool. yeah it was really sweet um yeah. you know when you ask about my involvement really my feeling is there is no reason that Sharon Lowe and Bram music shouldn't be around forever and my goal completely. is to try to make sure that when Sharon isn't performing anymore, um, that people will, in 20 years... She's being poo-poo-poo. <laughs> that people are still listening to it. There's no reason why this generation can't grow up on it and share it with their children and grandchildren. Yeah, keep that legacy alive. Yeah, it is evergreen. I mean, people are always having babies. The same thing with the books. I mean, uh, these are hopefully timeless classics that people are going to want to sit down and read them. Um, like each peach, pear, plum, or the munch books, you know, I, I'm hoping that that's going to keep going. And, we, and we're so proud of the books. And they're, they're illustrated by Chin Lang, 
And yeah, the illustrations are really, oh, really good. Oh, the illustrations are so much fun. They're so kooky. She's she's so playful. So and we it was so interesting for us. That whole process was interesting. Randy wrote the extensions of all the books because we we said you know if the if Skinnerink hadn't hadn't been extended, it would have been a, the book would have been a pamphlet, not a book. Yeah, you wrote new lyrics. She to wrote. Yeah. She, she wrote extended the story in each of the books, and that was and then she was also the link with with the. The publisher. She, but the I found the process really interesting. You know, the illustrator would send some of her her thoughts, her ideas to us through the publisher. So Chin's work went to the publisher. The publisher sent them to Randy. Randy would look at them, and then Bram and I would look at them, and we'd have comments, and it would go back to the publisher and back to. Th- so the publisher was at the center of the communication. We never met Chin. Until after the book was yeah, done, yeah, it's an oh. editor named Li- Elizabeth Cribs from Penguin Random House. Yeah, yeah, the she editors, was, yeah. yeah, not the publisher. So the she would, you know, we're all artists, right? So if she I didn't, didn't like, you know, a page, she would find a way communicate that to gently. Yeah, yeah. Say, she treated us all with respect. Like each side of the equation was important, and she wanted to keep everyone happy. I thought it was brilliant, actually. That's a very interesting process. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. And the most recent book just came out last August, if I'm correct. Uh, Peanut, Peanut butter, butter and, and jelly. jelly. Yeah, yes. and one elephant went f- out to play was the year before that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And any more on the horizon? Or Well, we are actually just talking about um, what should come next. Maybe so, some of your audience will have some thoughts about that. Yeah, hit it up in the YouTube comments. Yeah. yeah. I've na- I've narrowed it down, and um, we will. You know, it. I felt a little sad when Peanut Butter came out because we didn't have the next ones planned. But we're talking, you know, we're talking about the next few, and um, I think they're going to be hopefully as timeless and fun and whimsical as the first three. Yeah, hopefully people will go check those out. I saw them on Amazon, but also on uh, Penguin Random House websites. So there's yep. lots of places you can buy them, and any children's bookstore, yeah. any bookstore there. Okay. Indigo, Indigo, Indigo okay. is a really nice supporter of our books. Um, and you've clearly Toys still got the fans because the TikTok has almost 150,000 followers now. Yes, so. yes. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's huge. You know, it's so funny when you never know what's going to catch or not catch. So um, <laughs> we did head and shoulders, knees and toes, and people were... No, no, you're doing it wrong. Like, you know, everyone has <laughs> an that. opinion. So uh, Wadley Acha, I think, was a Girl Guides or a camp song. So people have different actions for it. So mm. um, we're always happy when they go viral. We just have no idea what's going to be magical and what's going to um, be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which people are going to really cling to. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask, because you were talking about people uh, watching during the Zoom things from other parts of the world. Did you guys ever perform anywhere in Europe or abroad, or it was always North America? North America, okay. totally North America. And and I remember once when we were wondering about, years ago, wondering about England, London, they said, oh, peanut butter is an American thing. It's We don't do that here. <laughs> but I was recognized, the show, the TV show did play in other places. And I remember I was on a family vacation with, uh, not family, but a vacation with my husband in England. And I was recognized by a woman there from Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. Oh. She remembered. And that was pre-internet, I imagine, in, right? Yeah, it yep. played in Israel. It played, I mean, mm-hmm. English-speaking countries around the world. It played in like 43 different countries. Once it was in syndication. Yeah. Okay. But the, the thing is that once um, the Elephant Show was on Nickelodeon in the States, their U.S. career completely exploded. And that's where they toured. It was was huge. It happened overnight. Honestly, it happened overnight. Speaking of uh, the U.S., I saw that you performed at the White House in 1994. So that's a... That was at the Easter egg roll. And we got to meet President President and Mrs. Clinton. And that was very exciting. Um, And we played at... um, we Carnegie played Hall. The we UN General it. Assembly yeah. in yes. 1998. Yes, that was a UNICEF that was uh, UNICEF event. Was a that was in New York. In yeah, New York. Okay. Yeah. I had to look that one up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the 50th anniversary of UNICEF. Okay. And um, Roger Moore, who was the uh, he took over as the UNICEF ambassador from Audrey Hepburn. I think they were 
hmm. good friends. And um, Roger Moore, James Bond. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was there, and uh, Danny Kaye's daughter was there. He had been the original UN and UNICEF ambassador, and this was the first and only time they had ever had singers perform it at the UN General Assembly. Was it mainly for adults? I would imagine. It was, yeah, it was. It was, it was for whoever. For the, yeah, is at the UN. Yeah. yeah. And what was the name of the the, the Harlem Boys Choir? Harlem Boys sang Choir with them sang too. Song. We had yeah. a song that was composed. Every helping hand leads to your heart. It was composed by Amy Amy Sky and Mark and Jordan. Mark Jordan for us to sing, and we sang it there with the, with the boys choir. And then we went out for really good dinner afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Sharon Lois and Bram always involved food. Good eating. We we looked for the good food wherever we were, and it didn't have to be fancy. It just had to be good. Oh, something from upstairs. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you because Lois passed away in 2015, but she had largely retired from touring as yes. early as 2000. I for read. sure. Yeah. So when that happened, and subsequently when she passed, was there ever times where you thought we're going to hang it up? When when. Um Oh, when she died, you mean? Well, both. At well, first, when, when she, she stopped, when she her, she stopped when her husband died. She said, "I don't want to do this." She she just felt like she couldn't do it anymore, and we had a talk about it. And Bram and I said, "Well, we're not ready to stop." So there's kids out there that need us. Yeah, we, yeah. And we and we needed to do it. You know, we we got a lot of pleasure from doing it, and we weren't ready to to give that up. So, so we came to a, an arrangement, which was you know we were all good with, and. And we stayed connected to Lois, of course. She um, did some appearances with... Occasionally. She did, she did the 25th anniversary special. That's right, of course. There yeah. was a t that TV special. Yeah. But for the most part, no. But but she wanted to be consulted if there were, if we were doing benefits, She, you know, which we would, of course, consult. Um, so My kids went to a really neat uh, JKSK program, which was called the Blue Review School, which integrated disabled and non-disabled children. So the idea was, was if you integrated them in junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, then when they went out into their community schools, they would, like the kids without disabilities would have empathy for kids mm. who had challenges and the kids with disabilities would sort of be accustomed to being, being interacting with the kids who didn't have disabilities. So um, Lois was always, you know, when when we would have opportunities, she was always game to be parts. Yeah. So of we those. at the end of at the end of at the end of the the school year, one year they asked if we would do a concert. So we did a little concert there for the, all the all the kids in the school. And a very, very funny moment, and Lois was part of that. Very funny moment was when at the end of the concert, the little concert, there was one kid for each of us who presented flowers, one for who presented flowers to Lois, one to Bram, and one to me. So my, so you know, the the first kid presented to Bram and said thank you to Bram, and the second to Lois and thanked her. And the third one was my grandson, Ethan, who presented to me. He just handed me the flowers and didn't say anything. And I said, do you have something to say? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we loved, do it. we loved doing that. It was a wonderful school, and we did that. And Bram and I continue to have a relationship with the school. We've done some recording with them as recently as this past spring. I yeah. think Bram and I did something with them. That's so, lovely. Yeah, it was it was. And they call on us. We've done other stuff. We for sure. The, yeah, they're. They, it's a very important program. But Lois, I mean, Lois was Lois's son. David is my oldest and one of my closest friends. Um, he lives we, in San Francisco. Are you guys we, similar in age, or we are a month apart? We oh, went to wow. nursery school together before Sharon and Lois ever knew each other when we were three. <laughs> That's insane. We look at the nursery school picture, yeah. and there they both are, and yeah. neither That's of us knew each crazy. other. Too crazy. Yeah. Yes. And and of course, you guys would be best friends. What a unique uh, yeah. your relationship you share. For sure. For sure. And we, you know, we grew up going to the folk festivals and selling merch as teenagers at the <laughs> Sharon Lois and Bram concerts. And as adults, we would, I, I lived in California for a while. And if something Sharon Lois and Bram fun was happening, we would fly together to wherever it was happening like to be New part York. of it. Like New York, like LA, you know, things oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, they came down. We did the one recording, we did every recording, every record we ever made, we did in Toronto with one exception. And that was the holiday record that we did, Candle, Snow, and Mistletoe. And we did that in LA. 
and in July. Uh, in yeah, July. I was going to say ironic exactly. that the Christmas <laughs> one is done in of course, and <laughs> palm we trees. we did serious rehearsal in Toronto for you know several weeks before we went to LA. It was blistering hot in Toronto. The weather in LA was fantastic, <laughs> it was, but we had so much fun. And and these guys, Randy and David, flew down to be with us and sang on choruses and. Stuff Must be like hard that. to get in the Christmas spirit in the summertime, though. It, I've never thought was, about that. We were practicing the chorus of Mrs. Fogarty's Christmas cake. Yes, it would kill a man twice after eating one slice of Miss Fogarty's Christmas cake in a convertible <laughs> in the blazing hot sunshine driving to the recording studio. And worrying because the other producer was going to be mad at us for being late. <laughs> <laughs> We had so much fun. I mean, we, you know, we worked really, really hard. And recently, we have some very good friends who who are grown-up fans. They live in the States. He lives in uh, in New York, and she lives in Nashville. And over the last, what, five years? Yep. They have been working. They, they met each other by chance, and they met Randy. They came for an event here. And became friends, and now they're they're like family to us. And they work with Randy on every project. And um, why did I start telling you about them? I don't know. <laughs> You're supposed to know all that stuff. <laughs> um, but their names are JC and Chris, and they do all they work on all, all of the, the social, social media, media stuff. Oh. Um, the country album that Sharon Lois and Bram released last year, a little bit country, was their concept, Idea. and they curated. The tunes that showed up on it, they designed the the best of the best live, which was um, an album compilation. We discovered these uh, old recordings from of concerts, the mixing board of like twenty concerts over seven years um, that our keyboard pile. player had. One of our friends, Roy George, knew that they existed, and he kept on asking about getting them digitized. And um, he sort of facilitated that happening. And when we started listening to them, we realized that there was really good quality music on them. And we turned um, that into an album. It's funny, when when they first talked about, we think there's an album here, and Bram and I said, oh, no way, no way. Anyway, it's a terrific album. I mean, it's... I'll have to check that out. It's remarkable that the recordings are so... So cool that you're still releasing new content like that. That's amazing. Yes. Huh. Well, um, I think I've got through almost everything I wrote down here. One thing I did want to talk to you about, being in the world of uh, not only children's entertainment, but also Canadian children's entertainment, I have to assume that you may have crossed paths with uh, Ernie Coombs, a.k.a. Mr. Dress Up. Oh, we loved Ernie. And so I wanted to know um, if you had any favorite memories of interacting with him. (laughs) And also if you've seen the documentary, because I bawled my eyes out. (laughs) Oh, it's me too. Oh, my Me too. Me too. I saw it. I loved it. His death was tragic. Yeah. Absolutely tragic. We we were on his show. Um, We were on, what was that show we were on? No, you were on John O'Vision. You were were on John O'Vision. That's right, yeah. We were on John O'Vision, and and that's right. Jonathan Torrance, yeah. yeah. Yes, and we also... They they presented um, Ernie's star on the Walk of Fame was presented to his family mm. by um, Sharon and Bram just before COVID, okay. right? So it's like yeah. November of 2019, and Sharon and Bram uh, were introduced by Kurt Browning, and they presented the family with Ernie's star. So the the f- funny story. Oh, I don't know if I can tell it. <laughs> Those are usually the best. We were, I mean, we knew, we knew, we knew Ernie, and and he was as as I mean, everybody has said this. He was a lovely man, a lovely man. His his wife's death was also terribly tragic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we were in a at a CBC event together at one point, and we were both Bram and I and and Ernie were going somewhere, leaving. I don't know if we were leaving or going to the washroom or whatever. We were walking out together and we were teasing each other about, we really should tour together. Let's let's put a tour together. And and we said, we'll have to figure out the billing. Uh, you know, I think it should be Sharon Lois and Bram and, and Mr. Dressup. And he said, no, I think it should be Mr. Dressup and, and Sharon Lois and Bram. <laughs> so we did a little back and forth and he said, oh, hell no. And I said, Mr. Dress Up. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I think he said a different word. I'm sure he said a different a different word, word which Mr. I'm not going to say. Crossing, yeah, that's hard to <laughs> and I said, fathom. Mr. Dress Up. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he was a fine man. Yeah. 
Well, even when you before we started recording, you were talking about uh, doing that show at Strombo's house. I wasn't expecting you to drop an f bomb <laughs> when you were talking about that punk band. Oh well, yeah, but that's that was the name, the name of the band. band. Yeah, yeah, sure, fair and enough. I, I still and, was unexpected for me. And, I, and I'm in, in that moment. And I'm introducing them, and I have to say, and now uh, <laughs> you don't have to say it now. I'm not. No, oh, no. I don't. I'm not. Oh, she didn't say it up. then. Either. I didn't say it then. Yeah. I said, "What did yeah. I say?" I said, "Blank swear worded up, up. Uh, swear word up." <laughs> <laughs> That's no, it was fair, but he, this, what's his name, Randy? Damien Abraham. Yeah, and the band is, has that. Effed up. Yeah, effed yeah. up. And, and. It was he, really funny because they devoted. were singing Peanut Butter and Jelly, and they were going, peanut, peanut butter, and you'd go, jelly, <laughs> jelly. <laughs> were they doing it like fast, like a punk song, or? He, no, just he him. just, it was oh, just, just he, was him. Doing he, was, it, he, was he was doing, doing it with, with us. He was very and devoted. <laughs> and, he, and he said, you know, I can't remember where I performed yesterday, but I still remember my first Sharon Lois and Bram concert. That's I'm so, so great. I'm so happy to be here with Randy because she remembers a thousand things that I don't <laughs> remember. I can't believe it. I'm so happy. It makes me feel good to hear that. Yeah. I'm wondering now if that's online anywhere because I know the House of Strombo stuff, a lot of it is on YouTube. So it's, I literally was just talking about this with, um, our friend Chris, we are working on a documentary film. I was just going to ask you, well, yeah. And um, we're hoping, hoping to have funding er, early in the new year. Um, Fingers crossed. We did. We did a 45th anniversary concert at the Winter Garden Theater, which is edited and ready to go. And um, we have filmed, done a lot of the filming of the documentary. Um, so we are looking for things. So one of the things we were just talking about yesterday was whether the Strombo show, I know they filmed it. Um, and I know that they filmed a Christmas episode too. Okay. So I think you can probably find the Christmas stuff up there. I'm hoping that the other stuff still exists. If it's not there, I'm sure Strombo has it all. I, hope I have does. his email. I don't know if he'll answer. I it's have, been a while. I, I have um, his contact. I'm sure he'd be like too. loving to get he was, involved. He was great. Yeah. He really was. And he just got his star on the Walk of Fame, which is really cool. Yeah, rightfully so too. He's no, like, I'm wrong. He just got the Order of Canada. Oh, that's what it was. I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something that you also have received. Oh, that was that was beyond thrilling. That was such an honor. It was. It's. I mean, to be recognized in your country by the highest award possible is just uh, the Order of Canada was just an absolute thrill. And it's funny, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it when you're informed. And I got the letter, and Bram got the letter, and Lois. We didn't know if Lois had gotten it. And, and we it was um it was delivered special delivery so you had to sign for it oh. and Lois had a notification to go pick it up at the post office she hadn't been and home. she hadn't done it and she said oh, I'll go we called and said did you get it she <laughs> said oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to her and Randy said Lois I'll come over and run you over to the post office <laughs> I mean we're so eager to talk to each other about it but we couldn't until she until she had hers I mean you don't want to take away this surprise from anyone. no oh it's thrilling and Adrian Clarkson presented to us and we used to run into her at CBC we were there so much and so she said when she presented it to us she said that I think the last time we were together was in a it was in a makeup room at CBC. So it was. It felt very. She's personal. a fantastic interviewer. She's terrific. I, I'm younger, so I didn't even know that about her. I knew her as the Governor General when yeah. I was younger, but I just heard some CBC thing they were playing. It was an interview she did in the late '70s or something like that. It, she was terrific. Very. Oh yeah. yeah, just hearing her talk about her interview process. Yes. Even, she was very much a go-getter and yeah. not afraid to ask the hard questions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes I ask my dad if he has a question before we. Uh, Get ready to wrap up here, but do you have anything you wanted to ask Sharon and or Randy? Let's talk about elephant. Um, who, like, was that one person? Was it? That was you, Paula always, right? Was not always, but no? the the best elephant we ever had was Paula Gallivan. And if you're a hockey fan, you might have heard of her father, Danny Gallivan, who was the voice oh, of right, the Montreal right. yeah, Canadiens. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> once introduced us in a concert that we did in Montreal. It was pretty cool. So we had we've had several elephants over the years. Paula was the elephant for all of Elephant Show, and nobody. She was as good as you could get. She brought to life that character 
she she wasn't afraid of anything. She was fabulous. She was on skates in an episode. Yeah, with she, with Elvis. With, probably limited visibility, name? I would imagine. What's oh complete? <laughs> what's his name? The the famous Taller Cranston. Taller Cranston mm. was a guest on the show, and he skated with Paula. I mean, she nothing. She did everything. Yeah. She was fantastic. Yeah. We had Lean Roberge was a, was elephant for for a stretch of time. She's and Juliana, and Juliana was She's terrific. Great. Yep. There is, it's a hard job. I mean, I've been I've hard. been the elephant. I've been in that costume. Lois's son David and I at Ontario Place many <laughs> years ago when it was the form and it had the revolving stage. Um, he and I were elephants, one elephant and deux elephants, and we came out and and danced around. And then the stage is rotating, so finding our way back off the stage <laughs> was, was a challenge. Challenge afterwards. You're lucky you didn't get injured. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so. Paula was, Paula was the ultimate elephant. Yeah, yeah. She lives in Bermuda. I was just going to ask if she yes. was still with us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, very much. She's younger than than me. She lives in Bermuda. She has three children. We've stayed connected over all these many many years. Yeah. Um, I was just saying I haven't heard from her lately. I have to reach out to her. She yeah. comes. She comes to town periodically, and she was here for a stretch during COVID. I, w- I wouldn't want to leave Bermuda too often either. I don't think. <laughs> well, I would. I would say I love that you are doing the um, parent-child uh, team together. We, yes, exactly. It's a oh, nice yeah. thing to be able to do. It's been to, a treat for sure to share. And you know, when we when we play now, um, when we perform tomorrow, just to, the two of us and Randy's. He plays guitar and he he'll play with us and it's so interesting. He's he never had children, so he never had exposure to Sharon Lois and Bram. And after doing a couple of shows with us, he said, "I have to bring Kleenex to these shows because he's gets." I mean, seeing what happens with the audience was such a novel experience. It's palpable. But in addition to that, Randy's son Ethan, who plays guitar and bass, plays with us, and. Certainly our audience loves to see. And, and when we did the big concert at the Winter Garden, her, her younger son, they're, they're tw- 20 and 23, 20 or 20. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, the younger son was also part of it. And he sings and he's terrific. So it, we, we have a family moment. It's really quite yep. wonderful. And the audience loves to see that. Oh, that's fantastic. Almost as much as I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you spe- uh, mentioned bringing Kleenex, and I, I want to wish you the best of luck with the documentary because I Thank assume you. I'm going to need Kleenex for that when it comes out. If it's anything like the Mr. Dress Up one, it's going to have its highs and lows and all this childhood stuff's going to well up. So I hope so. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that, though. Uh, and I'll, I'll end off here by asking you guys the question that we're doing for season five. We always have one question every season, and this one is if you could revisit any memory from your life, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. And you don't have to say the birth of your child or... Uh, you know. <laughs> well, those are, of course... But something, if you could go back anytime you wanted and, and relive that that memory, something powerful that really resonates with you. Well, for me, it's probably not um, performance. I mean, I've... Oh, that's had, fine. Yeah, it doesn't I've, have to be related right, to... Uh, I've had memorable holidays with my family. So um, I had a trip with my husband years ago to the Galapagos, and then I got to go again with my daughter and her sons and my daughter-in-law, and my my daughter and my son, his wife, and her boys. So, I mean, to share something that's so exciting... With your family is, uh, I'm I'm grateful for those moments. Yeah, that's the definition of joy, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Another wonderful moment for me, memory for me. I don't know about going back to it, but another wonderful memory for me was when my high school music teacher, whom I adored, <laughs> I played cello in high school, and oh. I was in the in the orchestra. And he, when he came to a Sharon Lois and Brown concert in Toronto at Massey Hall, I didn't know he was coming, but he came backstage. And backstage in Toronto at Massey Hall was always packed because all our family and friends were there. It was a big crowd back there. And I saw him and I said, look, everyone, it's Mr. Snell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a, a, that was a lovely moment. Yeah, those are great you? answers. Do you have one, Randy? I'm tra- well, you know, um, Lois's son, David, worked in San Francisco for a company called Woodford Publishing, and they published the World Series um, books. 
And he got us tickets to the World Series when the Blue Jays were in the World Series. And so won. Crazy. We were, you know, we were in the Sky Dome when George Bell hit his home run. And uh, it was my mom and I. And, you know, just they're like sport moments like I was like – watching the Raptors win. We, I got to go again with Lois's son, David, to one of the Raptors playoffs games. Uh, those kinds of fun, jubilant moments that everybody shares. But I often think I have a memory where I went to, my dad was in a folk music group called The Travelers. And I went to London, Ontario to watch them perform. And it was just me. And um, How old were you? Oh, I would have been like, or six or something. I was young, oh. but it was a massive crowd. And Rich Little was, they were traveling with Rich Little and he was, he was mobbed after the concert. And I remember us like he, you know, I think we were in Ray Woodley's truck or something. He were like, he had to jump into the back of uh, a car to get away. And I remember being part of this crazy frenzied experience and, but watching my dad perform in this huge crowd of people, I mean, same thing like watching my mother at Carnegie Hall and places like that. Like, That's mind-blowing. Just very, yeah, like in a million years, you wouldn't imagine getting to do that kind of stuff. It's funny so, how, how life unfolds in totally unexpected ways, and it's you have a gift. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels sometimes like it was supposed to happen that way, you yeah. know, once you finally get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely lovely, and I thank you guys so much again for taking the time to come and chat. Thanks for I, asking I don't want to hold you guys questions. up. Thank you yes, so much. You, I know you're looking for dinner, so it's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice, though, you, that you do good research. Um, it's it's frustrating when that. you do an inter when you do an interview and somebody starts off and says, "How do you feel about writing all those songs?" And of course, we never wrote any of those songs. Yeah, a lot so, of them were traditional. Uh, yeah, sure, or pop songs or whatever. Yeah. But you obviously did your research, and we appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Thank we always high five at the end if I can get one of those. Of course. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for watching. And to Brian. Yes, and to my dad. <laughs> Go buy the books and go relive some of Thank your childhood you. memories on YouTube. I, you won't regret it. I just was there and it was lovely. Thanks. <laughs> Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.